Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Amen. You can grab your seat today. It's been a fun day. Exciting all across our church today. I, I was going to say I bring greetings from the other locations, but no one actually says that. Hey, bring my greetings, okay? Bring them with you. Drop them off when you get there. My greetings. But uh, it's been an exciting day. Like uh, Pastor Joel said, 101 people have come to Christ, come to faith in Jesus over the last 10 weeks. And uh, man, we're just getting started. Just getting into a rhythm of what this feels like. I feel like uh, last Monday might have been my first Monday in nine weeks where I didn't feel like I got hit by a bus. I only felt like I got hit by a couple cars. It was amazing. It was awesome. And so, hey, we're on our way. It's a good thing. Uh, We're starting a series today, and I'm excited about this series. It's uh, really simply titled, Blessed. Can you turn to the person beside you and say, Blessed? Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Blessed. Blessed. You know, the nature of God towards us is one of blessing. God's a God of blessing. He's a God of grace. He's kind. And uh, I don't I don't know what maybe your persuasion or your tradition has told you, but here at Vivid Church, we believe God is is on a mission. He's blessing people. He's blessing the world. He's kind. He's good. And he's a God of blessing. Do you believe that tonight? Come on. If you believe that, I'm going to need you to make a little noise with me tonight. It's a good thing. God is a God of blessing. He's kind. And, uh, you know, tonight as we, we begin into this series, uh, the, the title of the message is very simply, Sorry, Not Sorry. Sorry, Not Sorry. It's a really pretty Canadian saying, actually, to apologize, even though I don't think an apology is necessary. Sorry, not sorry. Just need to apologize. I do feel something. It's just the thing that I feel is not apology. Sorry, not sorry. It's like the the feeling you get when you're repping your team's colors in front of someone who cheers for another team. They're like, oh, come on, man. Like, you got to do that in front of me. You're like, sorry. Uh, No, not sorry. Like, truly, I acknowledge that you're feeling something. I'm just not sharing in that feeling. It's the feeling every married person gets on Valentine's Day where they feel made to feel bad that they're walking in the blessing of marriage. They're like, ah, sorry. Nah, not sorry. Not sorry, actually. You know, all all the single people who are complaining on Valentine's Day. It's like the feeling you get when you're eating meat in front of a vegan. You're like, sorry. Nah, not sorry. Not sorry. It's bacon. Come on. It's bacon. Sorry, not sorry. You know, in, uh, in the scripture, as we, we look at, at the nature of God to bless us, kindness towards us, uh, there, there is a lot that the Bible would have to say around the concept of finance, around the concept of giving. And often out of, out of sheer awkwardness, uh, we can avoid ever talking about uh, this pretty big topic in the Bible, this topic of, of finance. But tonight, I just want to tell you before we start, sorry, but not sorry. God has a lot to say about finance, and finance is one of the ways, hear me, one of the ways that God desires to bless people. And so if I were so sorry and so awkward to talk about a topic like money in church, my goodness, I would really have to be sorry because I would be uh, causing us to miss out on the fullness of what God wants to speak to us. So 
You know, our, our church has existed here in Kits only 10 weeks, but as a church, we've existed for 135 weekends since we started Vivid Church, 135 weekends. And this is the first series that we've ever done about finances, that we've ever done around finances. So uh, I can help, I hope you can rest assured with me that, uh, that we're not a church that's just always talking about money. Some people ask me, how often do you, do you teach about giving? Teach about giving. And, and I think what they mean to say is how often are you teaching about money? The truth is we don't preach about the topic of money very often, but we do preach about giving every single week. Because grace is God giving to people. It's impossible for us to preach about the grace of God without talking about giving because grace is a gift. Come on, somebody. Grace is a gift. It's impossible for us to talk about uh, health in relationships or marriage unless we can be givers. There's no such thing as, as a healthy, vibrant, alive marriage if people are not committed to giving to one another. We can't talk about forgiveness, think about the word, forgiveness, unless we talk about giving. So we're always talking about giving. Gospel preaching is always about giving. It's just not always about money. But over these next few weeks, I will acknowledge there's a little bit of awkwardness even in my own heart to talk about money. Because people say, oh man, church, they're always talking about money. So can I get this out front right away? You're going to ask yourself the question. Maybe you'll walk out uh, of this location tonight thinking to yourself, does the church just want my money? Great question. The answer is no. Truthfully, we could sit down. If you want to ask me some questions, I could tell you how we started this church, and you would see this is not a cash venture. The real question to ask is, does God want my money? And actually, oddly enough, the answer to that question is yes. God does want your money, but not because he needs it. He wants our money because we think we need it. God doesn't want our money because he needs it. But he does want our money. Why? Because Jesus said this, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. And God desperately wants the heart of the people that he loves. Anybody here in the room ever invest in a stock? Ever invest in a, in a stock or a fund of some sort? No one's putting up their hand. They're like, oh, man, that's awkward. You know, just put up your hand. You can say, sorry, not sorry. I invest. Hey, you invest in that stock. All of a sudden, those three letters that indicate that stock mean something to you. And you check them. And you feel emotion based on whether or not they're in green or red. You, you, you check. Some of you are like, I've never invested. I don't know what you're talking about. But for those who have, you know what I'm talking about. You see it go up and you're like, whoo, it's a good day. My stock is on the rise. It's going down. Oh, you're feeling it. Why? Because you've invested in where your treasure is, your heart follows. If you're a homeowner in the place, that's a real big sorry, not sorry. You shouldn't feel bad for that. Man, a lot of us can look at the market feeling discouraged until you're a homeowner. Then you're looking at the market, you're, whoo, I'm feeling good about what's happening in the city of Vancouver right now. Why? Because where you've put your treasure, your heart follows. When you save up, you make a purchase uh, of an item you like, man, you, you, you assign value to it because you've invested treasure in it. And so the church doesn't want your money. God actually does want your money because it's your heart's connected to it, not because he needs it, but because we think we need it. We think we need it. And when we think money is our source, we have misappropriated where our blessing comes from. And we've misappropriated the value around money in such a way that, that we've eliminated God from the equation. So I'm going to dive straight in 
regardless of, of any uh, residual awkwardness I might feel. And we're going to talk money over the next few weeks. And I think God's going to use it to challenge us. Can you turn to the book of Jeremiah? If you have your Bible with you, Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. When I talk about blessing, listen to this beautiful description uh, of a blessed person. Jeremiah chapter 17. If you didn't bring a Bible tonight, we have it on the screen for you so you can read along. Uh, We don't have a Bible. We'd love to give you one. We also would always love to give you opportunities to lean a little closer to the person you're sitting beside and read over their shoulder. You never know what kind of connection you might make here in church. But regardless, it's on the screen. Here we go. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8 says this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Can someone say trust? Whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves always are green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. What a great picture of the one who is blessed. God desires for you and I to live in blessing, and he says here's what it would look like. It's like a tree planted by a stream where the water is fresh and the water is alive. It's got a root system that's down under the surface, and because of a a finely developed root system, there is a peace that comes on this tree. You know, part of God's blessing for you and I is peace. Think of the peace that comes. You don't have to be fearful when the heat rises. I think this is amazing. If you don't have roots under the surface, if there's no root structure underneath the surface, heat will destroy you. But if you've got good roots going down underneath the surface, heat actually accelerates growth. Think about that. What's going on underneath the surface actually has a big uh, effect on what's going on above the surface. Some would say this, that your fruit is determined by your root. Can you hear, can you hear what I'm saying tonight? So, so God says this, trust in him is like putting down finely developed root systems so that when heat comes, growth happens. You, you know, the, like there's some people, because of their character, difficult times actually bring the best out of them. You've been around those people? Those are great people to be around. When difficult times come, you're like, man, you should be anxious right now. That's what I would be feeling. And yet somehow peace is coming out of you at that time when the heat is turned up. It's because of the character that's going on underneath the surface. And the Bible says that character is developed through trusting in God. Blessed is the one who trusts in God. It's like a tree planted by a stream of water who sends out its roots. They go deep underneath the surface. And so in dry times, in hot times, in in, in drought times, there's growth. Any gardeners in the place? We got any gardeners in the house? Awesome. We have some people who think I might be a gardener if I had the space to be. You're an aspiring gardener. Okay. Any, any pretend gardeners? You just like buying succulents. You're like, I only have to water them once a year. It's amazing. I'm a gardener. Okay. Awesome. You know, no matter how, how, uh, how much acumen you have around gardening, we would probably know this, that when you put a seed down in the ground, and you wait a little while, it starts to grow up out of the surface. You with me? And that seed that grows eventually, hopefully, uh, will bear fruit. And we know and would anticipate that that fruit comes at just the right time. You following with me? Harvest time. Well, here the Bible says that the one who is blessed is always bringing forth fruit. It's like there's an unnatural, abundant type of blessing that God desires for those who put their trust in him, that they never fail to bear fruit. Hard times, bearing fruit. Difficult times, bearing fruit. 
uh, you know, you know, seasons maybe where it would be easy to quit, they keep on bearing fruit. Now hear this, fruit and growth are different things. Do you know what growth feels like? Growth feels like stretching. That's what growth feels like. It's impossible to grow without stretching. You know, we, we got some people in the room that you, you might uh, fancy yourself an athlete, but without stretching, you're not going to see the proper kind of growth. And the truth is no plant can grow unless it stretches. And growth precedes fruit. Growth and fruit aren't the same thing. So there's some people here tonight, you say, man, in the season I'm in, I just feel like I'm so stretched right now. Good news, you're growing. Like, oh, man, my, right now, like my marriage, I just feel so stretched. Awesome. Your marriage is growing you into a better person. Right now, my workplace, oh, I just feel so stretched. I feel like maxed out. Hey, there's growth taking place on the inside of you. That growth is a promise that fruit is on its way. You're like, oh, man, right now, relationally, I feel like there's a lot of dynamics going on in my friend's circle, and people are pushing my buttons. I feel so stretched right now. Growth is happening. Growth is happening. Some people in ministry are like, oh, man, I'm serving, and I just feel like I'm, I'm hustling hard, and I'm going hard. I feel so stretched. My time feels stretched. My energy feels stretched. You are growing, and growth precedes fruit. It's an exciting thing. Fruit that you can anticipate would bear even in unnatural times. See, I want to be around those types of people. I want to be that type of person that in good times and bad, I'm bearing fruit. Good things are coming out of my life, the type of things that nourish those around me. Now, now look over into the New Testament, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn there with me again. This is on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this, remember this, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. What it's saying here is if you put one seed in the ground, it would be foolish to anticipate uh, a like hundreds of plants to come out of the ground. You only put one seed down. One seed will bring forth one plant. You following with me? So he says this, if you, if you want to plant one seed, then you could anticipate one plant. Now, in and of itself, one seed resulting in one plant is still a powerful multiplication. Because when a seed grows, it does not produce another seed, does it? Remember, do you remember being a kid? And uh, maybe in kindergarten you planted like a bean in some wet paper towel. Anyone ever do that? Like in a styrofoam cup with like a handful of dirt from the plant and you, you planted a bean. And it's amazing. Beans so resilient. Within a couple days, it begins to sprout, right? right? And that bean, it's interesting. The, the bean seed doesn't just come to the surface. You're like, wow, my bean that was under the ground is now over the ground. My bean turned into a bean. My seed turned into a seed. No, that seed actually turns into a plant and that plant bears fruit and inside of every one of the fruits are multiple seeds. You think of like one apple seed. You, you eat an apple seed, you bite into the core, one of those little dark seeds that fall out. The power of that seed is not the production of another apple, it's the production of another tree, that tree with the capacity to grow thousands of apples throughout its lifetime that will bear thousands of seeds. So it says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but one seed for one plant is still a great thing. How much greater, though, is the one who sows generously? Because they can expect an overabundant multiplication that multiple seeds lead to multiple seed-growing or fruit-bearing plants. Man, the Bible's talking a lot of gardening here. It says this, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly and not under compulsion. Hey, we would never want, want someone to give like, oh, man, I guess I've got to. 
We never want someone to go, oh, I don't know if I should. Instead, it says God loves a cheerful giver. And then it says this. Here's the, here's the, the motivator. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I love the totality of these statements. All, 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 and every. God's a God of blessing. Not saying I'll help you scrape by. I'll get you through. He goes, I want to bless you in all occasions and at all times, in every way. It says, as it is written, they freely scatter the gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food, also God, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched. I love that word right there. Someone say enriched. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in God. Now, sometimes, or thanksgiving to God, I should say. Now, sometimes, uh, perhaps you've been in a setting where it's been preached that, that we give so that we can get. You know, that's what blessing would look like, right? I'm going to give, and then if I give in the right way, the right manner, the right amount, then I will get, and that's what blessing is. But the truth is, I believe blessing is this. I give so I can give. I give, and God who returns I, like, puts me in a position I can give. Do you want to know what blessing feels like? Blessing feels like giving. Like truly, blessing feels like giving. Blessing feels like I have more than I need, and I want to give it to the people around me. That's what blessing feels like. Blessing doesn't feel like receiving. The Bible says this, it's more blessed to give than receive. I never want to switch in this equation of being the blessed, the one, the one giving or the one receiving. I don't want to switch sides and say, it's my time to be on the receiving end. I've been given enough. Now I want to receive back. I want to stay on God's side of this equation. Are you with me? He's a giver of every good and perfect gift, the Bible says. He's the father of lights in whom there is no turning. For God so loved the world that he gave. I want to stay near to God. I want to be close to God. And the Bible says that he who gives seed to the sower and bread to eat will increase what we have so we can be on that side of this equation, giving and generous in every occasion. Someone's got to get excited about giving today. Come on. It's a good thing. I mean, today I, t- I took my family to, uh, to a restaurant, and, and uh, we were ordering our food, and I noticed, I noticed the, uh, the waitress uh, who was preparing our food. Uh, what am I saying? We went to Subway, the sandwich artist. Okay. So the sandwich artist who was preparing our food, uh, I could tell like we walked in on, on a moment. Something had just gone down. She was trying to compose herself and, and she's asking what veggies we want on her sandwich and fighting tears at the same time. And as she's, you know, selecting the sauce, I see a tear going down and I'm going, are you okay? Like my Jennifer and I were in there. We're like, hey, is there anything we can do to help? She's like, oh, no, I'm okay. Like, it's been a bad day. She's like, yeah, it's been a bad day. And we left that place, and I said, man, we got to do something. And we, we went into our car. We had, we had our sandwiches, and we said, yeah, we were just in there, guys. What do you think we do? And our kids said, well, we got to go. Let's buy them something. We got to go get them something. Let's get flowers, and let's get chocolates. So we went down to the store. We bought some flowers, bought some chocolates, came on back into Subway and just said, hey, we can tell you're having a bad day. Just wanted you to know that you're awesome. That was a great sandwich we just had. You're a fantastic sandwich artist. You know, it's a little thing. And I walked out. I did not eat the chocolate. I did not smell the flowers, but I, got ble- I was the blessed one. I was the blessed one because I-, I got to give. That's the nature and the heart that God has for you and I, that we could have more than enough and on every occasion be a blessing. Are you with me? 
So he says this, here's what it looks like. Blessed are those who trust in God. Blessed are those who trust in God. And there's no test of trust that that I know of more significant in, in Scripture than the concept or the principle of the tithe. Now, did he just say tithe in church? Are you for real? Where did I where did I come? Tithe, it's crazy, right? Like like I, I think probably the pendulum has swung so far that often in churches we, we, we shy away from this invitation that God has made to you and I, an invitation to experience a, a type of blessing. So I want to read it to you today. I want to talk about tithe. I think, I hope I can kind of debunk some of the myths around it and invite you and I to, to see the Bible for what it's really saying. Can we try that together? Okay, look at, look at the book of Malachi really quick. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, starting at, uh, at verse 10. It says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The concept of the tithe. It's a great, great thought. What do you hear when you read this verse? What stands out to you? I'll tell you there's sometimes what stands out to me. It's a, it's a test of my heart often. Sometimes here's what stands out to me. Bring the tithe. My wow, God, you're really expecting a lot from me. <sighs> Putting a lot of pressure on me. But, but man, look at the rest of the verse. Look at the heart that God has for us. He's like, test me in this. And watch, I'm going to throw open the floodgates of heaven. I'm going to pour out so much blessing, you won't have enough room to store it. If, if, if God started with that, he goes, hey, guys, do you want some blessing? So much blessing you won't have to store? We'd be like, whoa, tell me how. But because it starts with, tithe, oh, man, I don't know about this. What's, God, what's God's angle? It's a test of trust. It's absolutely a test of trust. Last week, uh, I was on my way from our new Westminster location to downtown. And I brought a couple of my kids with me, and one of them was Arrow, who's seven. And uh, we were sitting on the train. I'm like, hey, Arrow, do you want to, like, stand up on the train and, and try SkyTrain surfing? You ever done this before? Man, you haven't lived if you haven't surfed on the SkyTrain. Do you want to try SkyTrain surf- surfing? And he goes, oh, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds scary. I said, well, what, what could go wrong? He goes, what if I get sucked out of the train? My... Well, like, like the imagination of fear is unbelievable, isn't it? Fear, it's just this powerful, imaginative, detailed thing that he's like, if I stand up, I might get sucked out of the train. And I say, hey, Arrow, just trust me, man. Trust me. You're going to love this. I don't know. Like, I've never done it before. Just trust me. And so he stood up, and within a few minutes, he's like, Dad, I'm riding the wave. Look at this. He came home. He told his brothers and his sisters. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a SkyTrain surfer. Today, I had my four-year-old Oakley on the train with me, and we were coming from New West to downtown. He's like, Dad, I've just been all week long. I've been waiting. Can I please, please try SkyTrain surfing? Like, Arrow made it sound so amazing. Isn't that how it, it always is? Like, isn't that what trust kind of always feels like? I think, like, for my, my, my children, every step they've taken that they've enjoyed has required trust. Every roller coaster they've ever ridden on, just trust me. You'll be safe. You're going to love it. E- every time they've been thrown into a swimming pool, just trust me. You're going to love it. Every time they've tasted a new food, hey, just trust me. You're going to love it. That, that's what God is saying here. 
He's going, I want to I challenge you in something. Bring the whole tithe into this storehouse and trust me. Test me. Test me in this. You will experience the types of blessings you had no idea about. So before I, I, I dive into this any further, let me tell you a few things that tithe is not, okay? Before I tell you what it is, here's what tithe is not. Number one, tithe is not a tax. Tithe is not like the church tax. It's not like the, the Jesus tax. You know, like, oh, man, I knew it. it was too good to be true. Grace comes free, but then God lowers the hammer, and the tax man comes, and he wants what's his. Right? Tithe is not tax, as if we have what God wants. The truth is that God has what we need. God doesn't need what we have. We need what he has. Check out what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 17. Acts 17, 24, it says this, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in a temple built by hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. See, it's not a tax as if God's budget is depleted and he needs us to top him up and get him through to next month. Imagine God in heaven. He's like, oh, man, I overspent on meteorites accidentally this month meteorites and baby penguins. I don't know what Gabriel was doing when he was punching the numbers here in heaven, but our budget is just way off. So I'm going to need to I'm going to need to just do another round of taxes and, and make sure that everybody's paying up because because we we can't keep the lights on in heaven. I mean, we ran out of gold. We had to stop the paving crew. Heaven, you know, heaven's pavers are, are out of work. It's like like they're all unionized and they're standing with their shovels cuz there's just no gold left. It's not a tax as if God needs a working budget. Number two, it's not the law. You see, today if you went online after you walk out of church and and you you searched out tithing, you'd find angry bloggers. Oh, they're so angry, those bloggers. Both sides, angry. Tithe, tithe, tithe. And the other side, no tithe, no tithe, no tithe. They'd argue about this. And, And most of the argument would come around this. That's the old covenant. That's the Old Testament. That's an old law. We live in Christ. In Christ, there's a new covenant, and there's a new interaction, new reality. You see, the, what they're referring to, for those of you who like scholarly things, what they're referring to is, is a covenant, a relationship that occurred between God and Moses, the Mosaic Covenant. You see, the Mosaic Covenant was a covenant of holiness, where God said, here is what I require of you to be holy. In order to be holy, here are a whole bunch of rules. It starts with these 10. He called the 10 commandments. And it goes out, if you're going to live these out, let me extrapolate all of the little sub commandments in order to do that. I require and expect holiness. And what the Mosaic law pointed to was the cross, that we were completely incapable and insufficient to live in perfect holiness. And so that's why Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he he fulfilled the law. He says, I haven't come to abolish the law and do it. I actually came to just fulfill it. Now it's done. And when he was on the cross, he said it is finished because he became the once and for all sacrifice. And so no longer do we have to look at that list of rules and say, I, I failed on one of those. I was 329 out of 330. I was so close to passing the test, but I missed a mark. That's what sin is. Jesus came so that he could wash away our sin with his sacrifice and and, and fulfill the law. But tithing actually didn't start with Moses. It's not a stipulation of the Mosaic covenant or the law. 
It happened about 400 years earlier. There was a man named Abraham. Abraham also had a covenant with God, but the Abrahamic covenant was different. Here was Abraham's covenant. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I like you. That was it. He's like, because I like you, because I chose you, because, because I pick you, like it's this covenant of grace. He goes, because I've chosen you, I'm going to bless you. And the type of blessing I'm going to give, you can look at it in Genesis chapter 12. He goes, I'm going to bless you in such a way that your kids and your kids' kids and all your legacy going forward will be a blessing to the entire world. That's how much I love you. So tithing a few years later occurs when Abraham is victorious in battle. And he has more plunder than he knows what to do with. And at the beginning, very first before he does anything else, he comes to a man named Melchizedek. Again, for those of you who like scholarship, Melchizedek, who was standing in the role of a Christ-like character. And he came to the temple and he said, hey, I just want to honor God and acknowledge God's my source. I'm not victorious if not for God. I didn't earn any of this. I don't deserve any of this kindness. I don't deserve any of this grace. God is my supply. God is my source. I want to put him first. And he honored God. So tithing happened 400 years before the law was written. So yeah, Jesus came to fulfill the law. But tithing is not a law, it's a principle. Tithing is not a law, it's a principle of acknowledging where our source comes from. Now I am not under the Mosaic Covenant, but I'm telling you right now, I am one of Father Abraham's many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. If you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. We are still... Every one of us who is in the grace of God, who's in relationship with Jesus, we're part of that mosaic or that Abrahamic covenant where God just says, hey, I like you. I want you to experience my grace. I want to bless you so you can bless the world around you. Tithe is not a tax. Tithe is not the law. Number three, tithe is not the only foundation for God's blessing. Come on, hear me say that. Tithe is not the only foundation for God's blessing. If it were, it would be a really easy message to preach. It would just be manipulation. It's really easy to preach. If I just hey, guys, here it is, says it black and white. If you don't tithe, you won't be blessed. If you do, you will. And we would all be like, cool, sign me up. That's it? Okay. See, the, but the truth is God blesses because of who he is, not because of us. God's a God of blessing. He's a, the Bible says this, he causes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. And he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Why? He likes sun, he likes rain. He likes people. God's a God of blessing. So tithing is not the only foundation for God to bless us. It's truly not. It would be like if the way I parented my children, if I said, okay, kids, the Bible says this, that honor your father and mother and it will go well with you. So if you ever deviate from anything I prefer, it won't go well with you be an easy way to parent, it would just be wrong. It would be manipulation. You see, maybe, maybe, maybe you've sat under some teaching at some point. Maybe you've misunderstood some teaching at some point where you, you feel as though it's been communicated. If you don't tithe, God will never bless you. And if you do tithe, he will only bless you. And somehow that blessing has a monetary cash out value, you know, money in, cash out. It's just like this heavenly uh, slot machine, you know, throwing a coin, it was tithe. I kicked the bottom twice and out come yeah, God's blessing. That's not the way it, it works. So tithe is not a tax. Tithe is not the law. And it's not the only way 
or foundation for which God will bless you. But here's what tithe is. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, tithe is 10%. It's 10%. 10%. It's actually what the word means. Some people go, oh, yeah, I tithe, but I just kind of do it in my own way. I do like a three, three and a half percent. It's my tithe. No, that would be a thrive. And that's not what it is. Tithe means 10%. It's what it is. It's 10%. 10% is 10%. I love this about about 10%. It's one of the easiest math equations ever. You just have to move the decimal one. I think the only percent easier than 10% is 100%. That one's really easy. You don't have to alter that one at all. 10% is really simple. 10% is easy. I remember the first paycheck I ever got, $18. I worked for a dollar an hour. My first pay period was $18. I was eight years old. Now we call that child slavery back then we called it initiative initiative and I had a lot of it the year was 1990 I cashed my my $18 check and I remember two days later I came into church and I gave $1.80 and I tithed now can we just take a moment collectively together and laugh at how insignificant $1.80 is come on laugh with me but guess what it's 10 percent 10%, 10%, that's the, the, the expectation God lays out. He goes, here's the principle, honor me first, 10%. You know, some people, they, they, they look at those who they perceive as rich. They're like, easy for you to say. I mean, you got more than enough. I'm barely making a buy. 10%'s a lot for me. Do you know what's crazy is that people on the other side of that equation also say, oh, man, easy for you to say. You barely have anything. I got so much. Do you know how big 10% is for me? The truth is 10% is 10%. For everyone. Sometimes people are like, oh, pastor, man, like, it would be pretty tough for a person like me to tithe because I make a lot of money. Yeah, like, it's a really significant amount that that would be. And I feel like saying, like, hey, why don't we just pray together right now? Let's believe that God would reduce your income to a level where you feel comfortable honoring him with that 10%. Can we do that? I got faith for that. Do you have faith for that? You know, 10% is 10%. It's one of the most equalizing principles in Scripture. Where God says, I just want you to put some trust in me. Number two, tithe is not only 10%, it's actually the first 10%. It's the first. You see, interestingly, 10% costs the same if you give it first or if you give it last. But if you give it anything but first, it's just not tithe. Because there's no trust element. You see, imagine if I say, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. I, I got bills to pay. I got, I got like, I, like Endgame was really good. Got to see it a couple times. I, I like eating out. I got, you know, things to do. It's an expensive city. But if, if you let me get to the end of my month and there's still some left over, anything up to 10% is yours. I mean, if it's over, that was my good. I, I was just being thrifty. You know, what, what kind of statement does that make to God? I trust you as long as everything goes well. As if we hold God hostage. You better bless me, God. Better bless me. And if you bless me, it's going to go well for you. God never wanted our money. He he didn't want our money so he could spend it. He wants our hearts. And that requires trust. So it's 10%. It's actually the first 10%. Number three, uh, tithe, it's to be brought to the storehouse. So if you go on those blogs, there's going to be two things they're angry about. One thing, old law, old covenant, old testament. Yeah, it is a covenant. It's just the Abrahamic covenant, not the Mosaic one. Second thing they're going to argue about, storehouse. What is the storehouse anyway? Now, I have a, a perspective and a, a conviction of what the storehouse is, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's a spirited debate to be had. 
But in every iteration of a tabernacle or a temple throughout history, there was a storehouse. A storehouse was like a treasury where people would bring what they had to honor God, and then that treasury would be used to bless the community around them. Now, I believe, as I read Scripture and I study Scripture, that that storehouse, the equivalent in modern day, would be the local church. You see, in Ephesians, the Bible says this, we are living stones which God is piecing together, and Christ himself is the cornerstone, and he is building us into a temple where he will dwell. Now, church is not about buildings, uh, thank God, because we don't own any of those, as we're portable as can be, living out of a trailer, here we go, but the church, you know what else it says in Ephesians? It says, to him, this is being God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. I love that picture. The church is the thing that God is doing on the planet today. And Jesus is glorified as the church advances. As the church goes forward, the name of Jesus is preached. And and, and the gospel of Jesus is perpetuated. So when we bring to the storehouse, we are actually part of the very epicenter of what God is doing on the planet today. I get excited about that. My first dollar and 80 cents I ever got to tithe, I got to invest in and be a part of what Jesus was doing on the planet. And every time any money comes into my life, the very first thing I do, I get, I, I go online and I give. I'm like, man, I just want to honor God with my, my, my tithe. I want to return to God what is his because it's all his. Some people are like, oh, man, returning to God was his. Guess what? It was all his. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. And one, one, one verse says this, the Lord has, a, has cattle on a thousand hills. I like that. It's like a group of farmers together. You know, they all have, have a piece of grass sticking out of their mouth, just chewing on some grass. Like, how many head of cattle you got? Oh, about 200. And, and, then, and then God rolls up. How about you? He's like, ah, yeah. I mean, it's thousands of cattle on thousands of hills. It's everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all his. And he blesses us. Number three, Number, or number four, I should say, is the tithe is an acknowledgement of trusting God. It's an acknowledgement, God, you're where my source comes from. It's a statement we're making of, of trust. It's a tenth. It's the first tenth. I believe it's brought into the storehouse, which is, is the church. Again, I will tell you this. Man, we, we are not sitting on a trust fund anywhere, that's, that's for sure, but we're building a trust fund, a, a fund that daily comes in, and whenever it comes in, it's going straight back out to bless the city around us. In Malachi, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house, and an acknowledgement of God, meaning this, tithe is not just a what, it's also a when and a where and a why. Think about it. Tithe is not just what. It's not just the 10%. It's the first 10%. It's brought to the storehouse, and here's the reason I want to acknowledge and trust God. I just make an acknowledgement. He's my source. He's where everything comes from. Now, we could debate where the storehouse is. Here's where it's not. It's not our own discretionary fund. There's no way we could debate that around. Here's what I think the storehouse would be. Just whatever, whatever I feel like this nudge. Like imagine, David, if, if I owed you 1000 bucks. Be a good day for you. Bad day for me, but good day for you. Imagine if I owed David a thousand bucks. You know, I, I was keeping some of his money. I don't know why he would let me hold a thousand of his dollars, but here I am. I owe him a thousand dollars, and 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 he goes, "Hey, do you do you still have that? Can I get that thousand dollars from you?" I'm like, "Oh, dude, you'll never believe what happened. Actually, saw someone, and they were like, oh, I want to buy this nice pair of shoes.' And I was like, "Cool, thousand bucks. I got David's thousand bucks. You can use it. So no worries, man. I I I got you. I got you by getting them." 
I mean, that would be nice of me to do, I guess. But I'd still owe David a thousand bucks, right? Like that. Like it's not our own discretion. It's not designation. I I'm gonna give, but there's strings attached. When we when we tithe, we return to the Lord what's His, and we're like, God, I'm trusting you. The thing you're doing on the planet Earth, seeing the church go forward, infecting and changing lives, you got this. And why? Because I want to acknowledge it and trust you. I'm making a statement that me and you together could do more with 90% than I could ever do with 100. Me and you together, like like so much more blessing could come. What would it be like the open floodgates of heaven pouring into my life? Like tithe is a test, but it's not a test of us. It's a test of God. Like we're not the ones taking the exam. God is. He says, when you honor me, test me. Watch what I can do. Trust me. It's better for you than you can ever imagine. And he's like, I'll be on the clock. I'll be on, on, it's my exam. Watch what I will do. I'm going to pour out blessing into your life. Number five, lastly, as the band returns, tithe is not the only foundation for God to bless you, but it is blessed. It is blessed. You see, God blesses because he's a blesser. He's a giver. And over an abundance of that, he also says there's some special things that I want to challenge you to. Things like honoring your parents. When you do so, it will go well with you. Things like those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. It's this principle of blessing. He goes, if you can plant yourself into relational community, it will be better for you. Things like integrity. The Bible says that like what you do when no one is watching actually sets you up for blessing. The Bible puts it this way, that those, your good deeds will actually follow you into eternity. In Daniel chapter 12, it says this, those who believe in God will have eternity with him. Those who do not believe will have eternity separated. But those who are wise and lead other to righteousness, they will shine like the heavens forever and ever. There's this additional blessing that comes by obedience. And tithe is one of those things. It's not the only blessing. So, so hear me and hear me clearly. You might hear this message tonight and say, I'm never going to tithe. Do you, are you saying I'm not saved? No, of course you're saved. I think you're missing out on some blessing God has for you, but of course you're saved. You say, man, if I don't tithe, are you saying I don't belong here? Of course you belong here. There's no, no, no fee. No, nobody's keeping tabs on, on who's doing what, and, and you're a second-rate citizen if you don't tithe. But if we're going to believe the fullness of Scripture and live in the fullness of his blessing and live that full kind of blessed life, then I want to teach the whole Bible and teach the whole Scripture to you. Like, imagine with me, you know, my, my friend Esteban. Love you, man. Esteban, he, he's, got, he's got papers, living in Canada, working hard. And I remember the day he got his papers, like, I feel so blessed right now, so blessed. And imagine if I said to Esteban, like, hey, dude, I, I, like, I want to take you for ice cream. I, wanted, I just want to bless you. He's like, no, man, I got papers. I don't need ice cream. I'm already blessed. They could be like, well, the two are not mutually exclusive. Just because you have the ability to work in Canada doesn't mean you can't eat ice cream. You know, sometimes I think, well, it's either, either tithing is God's way of blessing us or it's not. Well, no, he blesses because he's a blesser, but then he also says over and above, I want to let you in on some insight. These are things that, that I notice. Like unity, woo, I love unity. He goes, how blessed it is when, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like, like dew falling on the mountain. Like it just brings so much refreshing, so much anointing, and so much blessing. If you don't live in unity, will God bless you? Probably because he's just so good. Man, if you struggle to honor your parents, will God bless you? Probably because he's so good. Maybe he'll even give you a chance to make things right with your parents. 
If you've, if you've struggled sometimes with secret sin, you're like, oh, I don't think I've always lived in integrity. Does that mean God will never bless me? No, he'll bless you because he's full of grace. But then he also lays out, here's some ways that I want you to be blessed. So the tithe is blessed, and I want us to live a blessed life, a full life. Throughout the, the, the remainder of these weeks, I'm not going to talk about tithe every week, but we're going to look at a picture of, of biblical finance, and it, it would be impossible to talk about that without looking at this beautiful principle. And tonight as we, we conclude, I was like, how do, how do we conclude? I want to leave a lasting image. I, I don't want you to think at any point in time that we as a church want something from you. We really want something for you because that's the heart of God. God's not looking for something from you as if he's in lack and we've got what he wants. Man, he wants to bless us and give to us. So I'm like, man, what can we do tonight? And, and the only thing I could come up with is that, man, we're going to have some cookies, okay? So we've got some cookies. So as I'm concluding today, if the team could come, they're going to serve you some cookies. And we want to bless you today. Why? Because if this is your home, this is where you're fed. This is where you're fed. See, that's what the storehouse is. Why? So we can, like, bless people. You're like, I'm not a cookie guy. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll try to find other ways to bless you. But sorry, not sorry. Come on now. Like, I want there to be this image. I love that the Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. You guys can come right now. Begin to serve some cookies. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, here's the heart. Here's the desire is that in this community, in this, this area, in this city, in our day, in our time, that we would be a place where people can receive blessing, that we would be as a church a place where people are fed, that we would be a place where consistently needs are met. And our heart is that we would always have more than enough, that we wouldn't have like a one-for-one one policy. Have you given before? Because if you've given, there's something for you. We want to be, always be a church with more than enough, blessing on every occasion. I wanted to, to let there be a tangible image. I think, I think taste sometimes helps with that. This is a place where you're fed. For some of you tonight, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe the church has never given me anything. I just got a cookie. And I'm like, man, that's an 80-cent cookie. It costs like a buck. Man, we, we're going to do everything possible to put our whole heart, our whole soul, everything we have, all the resource we have, so that by any means possible, someone could be reached, that one person could come to know Jesus. Over the last 10 weeks, we've stretched ourselves to our absolute capacity and then a little bit beyond what's even possible for us, and 101 people have come to faith in Jesus. We want to be a church where there's always more than enough. How do we do that? By seeing that there's a, a full storehouse, that we get to be on the giving end of blessing. Can I pray with you today? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.